we are back once again to discuss the most important nerd news of the week. On this episode, the WGA finally strikes a deal with the AMPTP effectively ending the strike. And SAG-AFTRA authorizes a second strike, this time against the video game companies. I'm Brennan Sem, and this is the New Wave Nerds. Hey guys, if you like the work that we do here and want to help us continue to bring you the news and reviews, head on over to patreon.com slash newwavenerds. There, you can unlock access to exclusive content like uncensored episodes and much, much more. Once again, that's patreon.com slash newwavenerds. Now let's get back to the show. All right, guys, so our first news story this week, arguably one of the biggest news stories we've covered in quite a long time. This comes by way of deadline. It's a deal! Exclamation point. WGA and AMPTP reach tentative agreement to end rider strike, and picketing is suspended. So reading now from the article, the Writers Guild has reached a tentative agreement with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers to end its strike after nearly five months. The parties finalized the framework of the deal Sunday when they were able to untangle their stalemate over AI in writing room staffing levels. And so now I'm going to read from you the WGA's message to its members. Um, It's a bit long, so bear with me here, but I think it is important to get some extra context uh, and get an insight as to the mindset of the the Guild uh, and the Alliance moving forward in the coming days with the end of this strike here. So... uh, The message reads, Dear members, we've reached a tentative agreement on a new 2023 MBA, which is to say an agreement in principle on all deal points, subject to drafting final contract language. What we have won in this contract, most particularly everything we have gained since May 2nd, is due to the willingness of this membership to exercise its power, to demonstrate its solidarity, to walk side by side, which I think is is the same as solidarity. That's a little redundant. Um, uh, Where was I? And to endure the pain and uncertainty of the past 146 days. It is the leverage generated by your strike in concert with the extraordinary support of our union siblings that finally brought the companies back to the table to make a deal. We can say with great pride that this deal is exceptional with meaningful gains and protection for writers in every sector of the membership. What remains now is for our staff to make sure everything we have agreed to is codified in final contract language. And though we are eager to share the details of what has been achieved with you, we cannot do that until the last I is dotted. To do so would complicate our ability to finish the job. So as you have been patient with us before, we ask you to be patient again, one last time. Once the memorandum of agreement with the AMPTP... AMPTP, that's still so hard for me to say, Uh, once the agreement is complete, the negotiating committee will vote on whether to recommend the agreement and send it on to the WGAW board in the WGAE council. Uh, That is to say, WGA West and East. Uh, The board and council will then vote on whether to authorize a contract ratification vote A a contract. The board and council will then vote on whether to authorize a contract ratification vote by the membership. If that authorization, see what I mean? It's a pretty long statement, but I think it's it's useful to read. Um, If that, excuse me, sorry guys. 
If that authorization is approved, the board and council would also vote on whether to lift the restraining order and end the strike at a certain date and time to be determined, pending ratification. This would allow writers to return to work during the ratification vote, but would not affect the membership's right to make a final determination on contract approval. Immediately after those leadership votes, which are tentatively scheduled for Tuesday if the language is settled, we will provide a comprehensive summary of the deal points in the Memorandum of Agreement. We will also convene meetings where members will have the opportunity to learn more about and assess the deal before voting on ratification. To be clear, no one is to return to work... Wait... Okay, here we go. To be clear, no one is to return to work until specifically authorized to by the Guild. We are still on strike until then, but we are, as of today, suspending WGA picketing. Instead, if you are able, we encourage you to join the SAG-AFTRA picket lines this week. Finally, we appreciated your patience as you waited for news from us, and as I bumbled through this statement, and had to fend off rumors during the last few days of the negotiation. Please wait for further information from the Guild. We will have more to share with you in the coming days as we finalize the contract language and go through our union's processes. As always, thank you for your support. You will hear from us again very soon. End quote. Um, so that's exciting. That's obviously pretty great. And it sounds like um, they seem fairly happy with, with everything they got. Uh, obviously, I'm sure they didn't get everything they wanted. They didn't get quite... Uh, they didn't get to go quite as quite as extreme as they would have liked, I'm sure. Uh, but that's good. Now that this is slowly coming to a close, it is technically not ended yet. But we are, the end is near. It is in sight. It is nigh. Nigh. I believe I'm using that correctly. But that's fun. That's good. That means we're going to start to be seeing some more. Uh, some more exciting news coming out, hopefully. We'll see the return of more things. I believe some late-night shows are already coming back super soon, like Im practically immediately, I believe. Um, but yes, yeah, so we're, it means we're going to be seeing a lot more news, some updates on projects. Uh, a lot of the uh, release dates are going to be a little bit more set in stone. Obviously, those are still subject to change until the SAG-AFTRA um, until the SAG-AFTRA strike ends, which we'll discuss later. I, I'll save that for a little later on. Um, but so, you know, obviously the dates aren't really purely set in stone, but they are a little bit more stable or they will be a little bit more stable moving forward. Um so we can we can get some updates coming out of some projects, some movies and TV series. That's very, very exciting. Um, I did want to highlight a few things, though. Um, do, 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 do. Where was it? Here we go. This, this sentence, or this paragraph, rather. To be clear, no one is to return to work until specifically authorized to by the Guild. We are still on strike until then. But we are, as of today, suspending WGA picketing. Instead, if you are able, we encourage you to join the SAG-AFTRA picket lines this week. I think, um, 
I sort of understand the principle, uh, especially early on in the statement. They highlight the fact that uh, it's only through solidarity and standing side by side with uh, the, the in our combined bargaining power that we were able to get this done. So we have to honor that. I, I, I sort of I respect that, but at the same time, isn't it? Don't you think it's slightly? And maybe this is just me. Maybe this is just me. But isn't it kind of slightly underhanded to be like, yeah, we have a deal, but none of you can, you guys definitely shouldn't get back to work. And uh, you know what? You should still, instead of working on these projects that you've allegedly want, you've allegedly wanted to be working on for the past 146 days, um, you know, instead of doing that, you should continue to, uh, you know, <laughs> call the the people uh, who just struck a deal with us evil. You should continue. You should, uh, you know, identify with Fran Drescher, who calls them tyrannical. Um, you know, it seems a little bit underhanded. But then again, like I said, I still I do obviously understand the idea that um, if your belief and you want to make a big deal out of the the solidarity and the union. Uh, uh, union, poor choice of words, the union of the unions, um, then I understand that. But it's just a little... To me, and maybe this is just, I don't know, it just seems like a way to irritate <laughs> the producers a little bit, you know? It just seems like a, a slight, a, a little jab, you know, a little underhanded jab right at the last minute. Like the, the AMPTP finally um, caves and gives the riders what they want or what they want. And uh, the union's still going to just <laughs> be like, ah, no, you guys suck. I don't know. Um, a little a little weird. Um, now, let's see. Let's get back to this article from Deadline here. I believe most of the rest of this is just sort of further explaining what the statement was um but i'm just gonna i'm just gonna read through again just to to reiterate some stuff then really hammer home so everybody is aware of of what's going to happen next um so again from deadline quote next steps in process we'll see the ellen stutzman led wga negotiating committee vote on whether to recommend the agreement and send it on to the wga w and w or excuse me the wgaw board and the wgae council for approval uh again that's w and e for for west and east respectively um the two f major factions in the writers guild of america uh, the vote is tentatively scheduled for Tuesday, the Guild said tonight. Another vote by the respective board and council could lift the strike, quote, restraining order, end quote, and allow scribes to return to work during the ratification, both, er, ratification vote. A big deal for both the WGA and the studios. Pending those votes, the WGA told us members that it is still on strike, but that all picketing is hereby suspended. Uh, read the Guild's full statement. Members below, we already did that. Virtual discussions began mid-afternoon between negotiating committees for the WGA and AMPTP, along with the fine-tuning on issues like AI and staffing one element of... Wait, sorry, I think I messed up the whole inflection on that sentence. 
Along with the fine-tuning on issues like AI and staffing, one element of some continuing dispute today was around back-to-work schedules and protocols. Uh, in my defense, there should definitely be a comma somewhere in that sentence, and there is not, uh, so I didn't know where to breathe. <laughs> um, the studio also inquired if, once a tentative agreement is ratified by the scribes, if the writers would pick up their pens and hit their keyboards again very soon afterwards. The Guild, from what we understand, had made the request that their members not return to work until SAG-AFTRA also had a new agreement with the AMPTP, reflective of the WGA's feeling of solidarity between the two unions that has characterized their, mutual, their first mutual strike since 1960. It seems a pathway to split the difference was found. Good... I think that's I think that's kind of that's that's a bit of a big ask for the writers to be like, hey, we're not going to do anything until you strike up a deal with these guys. Um, I think that's rather short sighted. I think you know, obviously, it's something that in the in the short term is would theoretically benefit the actors, the members of SAG-AFTRA, uh, but I think in the long run, that is ultimately going to hurt everybody involved I, I I think because I I I don't know I, I just think you should definitely begin going back to work now writers <laughs> or you know soon uh, as soon as the um, the strike is officially ended you know not obviously obviously this minute but I I do think that um, you, you should be going back to work right away you know especially if if you actually do want to um, you know, justify <laughs> these companies spending money on you. Because that's the thing, is that every single day, these companies are just wasting more and more money, which is, of course, a reason that the studios should come to the table again with SAG-AFTRA, which we'll discuss a little bit more in a minute. I have a separate article for that as well. But <laughs> you also, I think, have to here's the deal is that I don't think there necessarily needs to be sympathy for the studios, but there definitely needs to be a certain level of empathy, right? You do need to be able to put yourself in their shoes because it's not black and white. There's this sort of, um, perspective perception in uh, or among a lot of people, especially those who vehemently support the strikes, um, both of the WGA and SAG-AFTRA, um, there's a belief among many of those people that the studios are purely evil, and they're doing this out of pure greed. Well, like Fran Drescher said, they're doing it out of pure greed. It's tyranny. Um, it is. It's. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know, and and that's all it is. The only reason that they are doing this, that the deals have been structured this way, is because they are evil. And while I certainly do think there are people involved on the higher, uh, on the upper echelons of these uh, companies, who are infinitely greedy, and you could, I, you could make an argument, a strong argument. I, I probably wouldn't make it, but a strong argument that they are evil in this, in the sense, um, and that they are definitely greedy, and they will do anything necessary to, you know, increase their lot, uh, to accrue more wealth, power, whatever. You know, there are certainly those people, but I think the sort of, the grouping 
of everybody involved with the studios into that cast, that category, is wrong. <laughs> it, it's wrong. It's obviously wrong um, just on a factual sense because it's it would be the the chances that everybody there has a, this sort of homogeneity, this uh, this one standard viewpoint is ridiculous. Um, but it's wrong just on like a moral level uh, because I think it's it's dishonest and it's not coming from a place where you truly want to work together to move forward. There is this sort of perception. Um, I don't know. I guess the, the, the point of, of what I'm saying here is that as much as as little sympathy, <laughs> as little feeling of respect, as little of, you know, cachet I feel toward, I have towards these studios, you do need, I, I think if we're being reasonable here, and we want what's best for everybody involved in the industry, because that's the thing, is that everybody plays off each other. There is no, nobody in this industry can exist without the other. The actors need the studios, as do the writers, and vice versa. The studios need the actors, and it's, it's, they all work together. So I think you need to, inst instead of looking at it through this prism of them versus us, I think you need to start looking at it through the prism of, look, we all just want what's best for everybody involved. Even if, even if they don't, even if you don't think they do, even if you think that the negotiating committee for, for SAG or for the AMPTP, if you don't think that they have the best, your best interests at heart, I do think you, that you should act as though they do, especially when it's such a public and, and, um, and and what am I trying to say here? And publicized event. When it's something that the whole world is able to see, I don't know. I just personally, I'm just sort of of the opinion that it doesn't get anybody anywhere if you just look at it as black and white. And so I think that's one of the issues uh, that has... That's one of the the reasons I've been sort of I I'm not I haven't been pro studio but I have been decidedly anti SAG <laughs> throughout this whole thing is like I support you know the um, the strike itself and I, I I I do agree that obviously the people involved need to be paid better but the actions and rhetoric from people like Fran Tresher and um, from Stephen Denight, uh, the producer on, on Netflix's Daredevil. Uh, there's a certain for, uh, a tw a series or a couple tweets that he had recently that just made me so angry. It was just, they're so... They're, I'm not going to say they're... They're just, they're... Uh, they're <laughs> let me just put it this way. There are better ways for him to get his point across. And I think that the same goes for Fran Drescher and so many of these people who have had such fiery rhetoric towards the studios. Um, it, I, I don't know. I just don't think it's very conducive towards um, a deal. And I don't know how I got on this specifically. I don't remember where we came from. Um, 
empathy for the studios. Uh, yeah, that's what it was. I, I, I do think um, with what was this in relation to? Uh, that was a really long tangent, and I got distracted, and I forgot. Empathy for the studios. What was I talking about right before that? Oh, yes. The writers not, um, or the, the WGA not wanting the writers to return until um, a deal had been struck with the AMPTP. That, I think, is absolutely ridiculous, just by nature of the fact that, one, I think the writers should go to work right away. Um, you've reached a deal, you know... Everything is working out. You have no reason to not be going to work just by I don't think you have a right once a deal has been struck to just be like, no, I'm not going to work because you're not treating these people right either. Um, I don't think you necessarily have standing there. And because of that, you can, you know, express uh, support. But I don't think you can use that as an excuse to be like, no, nope, I'm just not going to work. That's that's me. But the empathy for the studios, where that comes into play, is the WGA has to realize that that's just going to cause more problems down the road. More delays, more delay, uh, you know, it's going to cost the studios more money, which is which means that it's going to be harder to pay these people. It's harder to pay these writers and these actors and everybody involved all the way down the, the, um, the, the help, the list there, all the way down to, you know, production managers and the gaffers and all these people. It's, it's harder to pay them if it costs the, or the studio more money to make than it should. Because even if if it's only a week, that's an extra week's worth of writing that the writers aren't getting done, and that's costing the studio more money. Which there there are two sides to this coin. You know, there are the there is the um, the belief on the end of some people that them continuing to lose money forces them to come to the table uh, and uh, talk to SAG after sooner. There is certainly that argument. Or, entirely possible as well, is the opposite. That the studio gets to a point where they're like, no, we're losing too much money now. We've lost too much money. If we make a, this deal that they want, we're going to lose even more, and we're going to have to shut down. So, we need to strike a hard line and get what benefits us and doesn't benefit the, the actors. Or, you know, whatever. Some... some um, variation of those two paths i i think there it there's equal probability of those frankly i mean they were willing to suffer for 146 days with the writers with the actors i think we're only we're not that much shorter i don't I, maybe 120 i think they just passed their 100 day mark not that long ago i think I don't remember. It's been too long. This has been going on for too long. That's another thing is that it's just gone on for so long that there's so much fatigue. Um, they they lost a lot of their momentum, I think. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I just think it's rather short-sighted. And so I'm glad that they... It seems as though they they've reached uh, a middle ground where... A little bit more work is going to, or the, the writers are going to be working, um, even though SAG is still striking. Um, 
Let's see. Let's go back to the article here. With all that, it will take a few days for the strike to be officially over as the WGA West and East proceed with their ratification process. During the last strike in 0708, a tentative agreement was reached in the 96th day, and it wasn't over until the 100th. Uh, the first shows to shut down when the current WGA strike began on May 2nd, late-night comedy shows and daytime talk shows, will be able to return to air almost immediately because SAG-AFTRA's ongoing strike doesn't include them as struck productions. Films and scripted TV shows that didn't sign interim agreements with SAG-AFTRA will remain dark until that strike is settled as well. Um, one thing to note here, they do mention in this in this paragraph here, um, late night comedy and daytime talk shows will be able to return because... Uh, oh, that's a SAG-AFTRA. Sorry, I, mis I misread that. Um, because there was some controversy in the news... I think last week and maybe it was even the week before, but with Bill Maher and Drew Barrymore returning to uh, their shows, um, they got a lot of heat because they weren't like standing in solidarity or whatever. And frankly, I, look, I, as, as I've said, I understand that argument, but then you got to listen to Bill Maher's reason as well. Um, while I'm talking, I'll see if I can find that really fast. But the gist of it um uh was that he, his basic sentiment was look these these other people got to work you know Th this is pe people need to make money here there's more people involved than just the writers um here we go we have this from variety uh real time with bill Maher set to return this friday after last week's decision to push pause um Real time is returning this Friday, a week later than originally planned. Uh, ba, 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 ba. Let's see. Um, my writers in real time are back. See you Friday night, wrote Mar in a short post Tuesday evening on X, formerly known as Twitter. Um, huh. Okay. Well, it looks like in this article they're not going to. Um, oh, here we go. This is what I was looking for. Marr had originally planned to revive Real Time last Friday, September 22nd. Real Time is coming back, unfortunately, sans writers or writing, Marr said on social media on September 13th. It has been five months, and it is time to bring people back to work. The writers have important issues that I sympathize with and hope they are addressed to their satisfaction, but they are not the only people with issues, problems, and concerns, end quote. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't see how you can read that, or in this case, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, hear that, uh, and think that that's unreasonable. I, I, th I, that is arguably the most reasonable thing anybody's ever said <laughs> in relation to this strike. Um, it's 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 realistic. It it look, I I don't agree with everything from Bill Maher, um, but frankly, at least you know, he's able to look at this and see the facts see that look you are costing people apart from the studio's money as well you are not and I'm, I'm not talking about bill maher and himself which I, though i'm sure you know that definitely factored into his decision because uh, what's his podcast club random is not that big um i don't think at least maybe it is and i just lied sorry bill um though i don't think it's it's that big especially in comparison to real time um but a completely different target audiences, I suppose. So maybe it's unfair to compare the two. 
uh, what was I talking about? Oh, yes. There, there's more people that the strike costs than just the writers in the studios. There are the technical assistants. There are the sound editors, video editors, the gaffers, the lighting, uh, stage managers, producers, pe- people who have, you know, no real stake in this, in in the, in the, the WGA strike, in the SAG after strike, people who are not really affected by it. And their whole lives have been upended because of the strike. And that's not to say that I don't think the strike was justified. Again, I I'm, I have to reiterate it a million times because uh, I've had some conversations with people who uh, have called me some mean things because they don't... they because <laughs> they've taken my words to assume that I uh, don't support the writers or the writers or actors or anything. Um, uh, man, I lost my train of thought again. I, I don't know. I, maybe I lost it because I've said it ad nauseum. You know, I just think it's, it's irritating. Um, let's see. Is there anything else in this article that we really need to address? Um, but just as Drew Barrymore incurred the ire of striking writers for announcing on social media her plans to bring back her daytime talk show, Maher also a- angered many on the picket line. Bill Maher's decision to go back on the air while his guild is on strike is disappointing. Uh, if he goes forward with his plan, he will. He needs to honor more than the spirit of the strike. Bill Maher is obligated as a WGA member to follow the strike rules and not perform any writing services. It is difficult to imagine how real time with Bill Maher can go forward without a violation of WGA strike rules taking place. WGA will be picketing this show. Um, Let's see. Ultimately opted to move forward. Um, My decision to return to work was made when it seemed nothing was happening and there was no end in sight to this strike. Now that both sides have agreed to go back to the negotiating table, I'm going to delay the return of real time for now and hope they can finally get this done. Okay. Um, I don't know what I was talking about that made me think of that. That's right. The article from Deadline, um, I had gotten it confused. Um, in this, in the Deadline article, it says that they're able to come or to continue because they're not struck by SAG-AFTRA. And I had conf- confused uh, the two, or the, the backlash. Um, I thought it was from people who were on the side of SAG, but it was more so in relation to the WGA. So that's my bad, guys. But good thing we fact-checked that. Um, Let's see. I don't think there's anything else to... Oh, wow. I was wrong completely about the length of the the writer or the actor strike, guys. Sorry. Um, This article, all attention will now turn to ratifying the WGA deal and getting SAG-AFTRA and the AMPTP back to the bargaining table to work out a deal to end the actor strike, which has now been going on for 73 days. 73. Um, I didn't I didn't realize it was that long. I thought, like, the, the, the actors went on strike, like, two weeks after the writers, but I guess not. I guess not. Um, but that's all we've really got on, as for the WGA, now onto the SAG-AFTRA on two SAG-AFTRA, which I have teased over the course of these past 30 minutes or so. Uh, We have this. SAG-AFTRA congratulates WGA on tentative deal, urges studios to return to table with actors. SAG-AFTRA, which has been walking with the writers since day one of the WGA strike, um, I guess maybe that's what I was thinking of, just the fact that there were certain, I don't know, maybe, 
maybe I was just completely confused. Um, was uh, the, the SAG-AFTRA was quick to con- congratulate the Guild Sunday after reaching a tentative agreement on a deal. The union said tonight that it remains on strike and in a statement urged the AMPTP to get back to the table with the actors to achieve the necessary terms for its members. Um, let's see. Quote, SAG-AFTRA congratulates the WGA on reaching a tentative agreement with the AMPTP after 146 days of incredible strength, resiliency, resiliency, and solidarity on the picket lines. While we look forward to reviewing the WGA and AMPTP's tentative agreements, we remain committed to achieving the necessary terms for our members. Man, I... Um I'm getting sick and tired, and I, I know that this is never going to change, but I'm tired of, like, the buzzwords. Incredible strength, resiliency, and solidarity. Um, and that's not just in relation to, like, this strike. I mean, that's just, like, that's, you know, corporate statement jargon to make themselves um, a- appear better, <laughs> you know, to have to make it seem like they are caring organizations where, in fact, they are nameless, faceless corporations uh, that want to do nothing but uh, suck the value. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but that that does irritate me. When every anytime I hear the same goes from like statements from politicians, uh, it irritates me to no end. I'm just like, guys, can we just skip over this part and get to the point where we say what we mean? But that's never going to change. So there's no point complaining about it. So there's my little two minute rant. That's my soapbox for the week, I guess. <clears throat> Back to this statement, quote, since the day the WGA strike began, SAG-AFTRA members have stood alongside the writers on the picket lines. We remain on strike in our TV slash theatrical contract and continue to urge the studio and streamer CEOs and the AMPTP to return to the table and make the fair deal that our members deserve and demand, end quote. Um, Now this comes as the actors have been on strike for 73 days. Uh, SAG walked out on July 14th, two weeks after their contract expired on June 30th. That's what I, that's what it was. I read that and I had, uh, I had confused, uh, or I had, I had misremembered. There we go. Now the union approved its strike authorization vote by a 98% margin on June 5th. Um, well, this is just a recap of the SAG after strike. We all know the gist. Um, let's see. Oh, here we go. This is important context. So Duncan Crabtree Ireland, SAG-AFTRA's national executive director and chief negotiator, has long said that the union remains eager to get back in the room with the AMPTP, which during this process has only been negotiating with one side at a time, which I think is fair. I think that's reasonable on the uh, the side of the AMPTP. Um, settle one thing before you move on to the other. Uh, I think from... If you just have a cursory, not a cursory, if you just give like a cursory look to like the headlines and, um, and honestly, this is the only article that I've read where I've actually, they've said that the, the studios are meeting with one, um, with one organization at a time. And I've read a lot of articles on this. So I, I think that's important context that you should have added in all the other articles, um, it's not, you know, like a lie, but by omitting that information, it is a sort of dishonest framing. Because if you just say, let's just say, if you were to take that statement and leave out, 
the end where it says, which during this process has only been negotiating with one side at a time. So if you just read, Duncan Crabtree, Ireland, the SAG-AFTRA's national executive director and chief negotiator, has long said that the union remains eager to get back in the room with the AMPTP. Factual. Wait, what is what is the, oh, geez, what is the Michael Malice saying? Is it factual but not true? Yes, factual but not true. Um, fact. The AMTPP, the AMPTP remains eager to get back in the room. Not truthful because the framing of that makes it appear as though the AMT, the AM, oh my lord, the AMPTP. Sorry, it's a lot of hard consonants, you guys. Um, the framing of that through that omission makes it appear as though the AMPTP is refusing to meet with the with SAG-AFTRA's uh, negotiating team, which is not true. Um, may have been true at some point, but according to this, uh, is not true and has not been true because they've only been negotiating with one side at a time. Um, that is an important note, um, which, like I said, it's not a lie on the part of these other articles that I've read. Um, it's it's just it, it's a lie by omission, and I'm I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, I think, and just I'm I'm willing to give most of them the benefit of the doubt in that they were just unaware of that. But there is a few who have had some opinion pieces that have been a little on the inflaming sign uh, side I will say to sort of put it lightly um who I think are are ju were just outright lying by omission and I don't think it was because they were unaware I think it was because they wanted to push the conversation in a in a particular way um let's see oh here we go look like this 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 statement alone Quote, we have been ready, willing, and able to continue bargaining with them, and we very much want the AMPTP to come back to the table, end quote. That, that's a statement from Duncan Crabtree, Ireland, right? That, that is factual, and it is truthful. Um, and that's the statement that I have seen multiple times in other articles. But in other articles, I have never seen the previous um, paragraph where it says, that the AMPTP has only been meeting with one side at a time. It is important context. It is important context. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's really all. I mean, I, I hope we get a, a deal soon for SAG, um, for SAG-AFTRA, because I'm very fatigued. I know most people are fatigued, and I've been hearing a lot from a lot of... Um, SAG after members, not personally, obviously, <laughs> believe it or not, I'm not in contact with any members, but I've been reading a lot of articles uh, from statements by by SAG members and uh, people like various other insiders who have talked to people in the industry, and there's a growing faction of people who are just done. There is a growing faction of people who are like, look, guys, I just want to go back to work. Um I don't know how how big that faction is, you know. I don't. Th I'm not going to say it's a. I'm not even going to say it's a plurality, you know. Maybe it's only ten percent, but that's still like a like a what an increase of a five x increase since the beginning of the strike, which I think only two percent voted against. Um, it, it is a growing faction, and I, there. 
like I said, I think I said earlier, I think the um, they've lost a little bit of momentum. I think a lot, a lot of people who would consider themselves more casual viewers, um, myself, I would probably include myself in that, you know, um, f- frankly, maybe, uh, you know, I just, we're just done with it. Uh, there's a lot of people who are just like, look, we're tired of hearing you complain about it. We understand, we support you, but <laughs> everything I like is getting pushed back. Um, you're making me bored. And in the beginning, you know, when it's, you know, a couple months, people are, well, you know, like a month, two months even, there's a lot more, I don't know. I don't want to sound insensitive, <laughs> but it definitely does sound insensitive what I'm saying here. I, I'm not going to say it again because you guys know that I support them, but it's just, it's, it's, it's at the point now, especially what with the, the Writers Guild getting a deal, it's like, all right, SAG, you know, let's let's pick up the pace a little bit. AMPTP, let's let's move things along cuz we're 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 getting bored over here. <laughs> we're getting bored. <laughs> we're getting bored. Um and like I said, I think the longer this drags out, I think the only it I don't think it actually benefits anybody involved because it it means that studios are going to have to try to cram to get um these films done on time and to reduce costs and to reduce costs, they're going to have to cut, uh, you know, funding somewhere else and they're going to have to cut corners and ultimately the product's going to be worse. And because of that, people aren't going to like it as much. It's not going to make money. People aren't going to be, are going to be less likely to go see the next major blockbuster. I I think this, this hurts everybody the longer it goes on. You know, there is a a point of uh, diminishing returns, uh, it definitely hurts the studios more than it hurts the actors here. Um, but there, there is a certain point where I think it is going to start negatively affecting uh, the actors. And I don't know. I hope, I hope that everybody is sort of, you know, taking that into account. Um, I hope that everybody is is trying to be nuanced here and has more than just short-term gains in in their eyesight but there's really there's no way to tell there's no way to tell um hopefully you know the amptp will be will feel ready to come to the table soon they will understand uh the planks of their platform and excuse me and hopefully the uh the ratification of this this uh new contract and the ending of the strike will come for the writers, hopefully very soon. Um, in any case, SAG-AFTRA is definitely not slowing down in other arenas, because we also have this from Deadline uh, by David Robb. SAG-AFTRA members vote overwhelming, overwhelmingly to authorize strike against video game industry. So there's another one. <laughs> another one bites the dust. SAG after members have voted overwhelmingly to authorize a strike against 10 of the major video game companies. The vote was 98.32% in favor. A total of 34,687 members cast ballots. Which, and I thought this stat was interesting. That's a, a representing, that's only 27.47% of eligible voters. 
27%. That means three quarters of people who are eligible didn't even vote on, on whether or not to strike here. Now, I wonder, are those, were those three quarters of people, people who, uh, who didn't want to strike but didn't want to publicly or didn't want to vote so that they wouldn't be ostracized? Or are those people who just don't do vid- video game voice acting so they don't care? Uh, I don't know. It's a, um, I doubt that that's the kind of thing that they would do like an exit poll for. You know, it's not exactly like a presidential election. Um, but those are some numbers that I, I would be interested to know. Um, I don't think it, it, you know, changes the bearing. You know, I think if it was 100% of eligible voters, I think they probably would have still voted to go to uh, to authorize a strike. Um, I don't know. It just doesn't that wouldn't that be kind of interesting to know? What if what if the what if <laughs> what if it's true that um, the people who didn't want to strike but didn't say anything were the ones who did who were doing the actual voice acting for the games and all the people who voted yes like aren't involved in the gaming industry at all it's people <laughs> it's people like uh, oh geez I don't know I couldn't think of an actor. Somebody like Anthony Mackie, you know, who's a member of SAG, who's been on the picket lines, but I don't think he's ever done any voice acting for a game. Wouldn't that be funny? That's obviously not what's true, um, but I think that would be hilarious if it were the case. Uh, Back to the article. The Guild's last strike against gaming companies in 2016 and 17 lasted 183 days. That's quite a few. That's a little more than the, uh, the writer's strike currently. The Guild, meanwhile, has been on strike against the film and TV industry since July 14th. We already discussed that. Um, Here we go. Back to something that's going to get my blood pressure up a little bit. We have this from president of SAG-AFTRA, Fran Drescher. Quote, it's time for the video game companies to stop playing games and get serious about reaching an agreement on the contract. That That was terrible. Whoever wrote that speech, that was so on the nose. That's bad. Um, the result of this vote shows our membership understands the existential nature of these negotiations and that the time is now for these companies, which are making billions of dollars and paying their CEOs lavishly, uh, to give our performers an agreement that keeps performing in video games a viable career. Okay, well, nothing too, um, nothing too inflammatory in that sentence, in that statement. So that, that was better than I was expecting. Um, Let's see. What do we got? What do we got? Ah, um, uh, yeah. I guess there is no statement from Fran Drescher in this where uh, where she she irritates me. Okay, that's fine. Um, let's see. Where's the list of of game companies that are affected by this? Actually, first I'm going to read this statement. Um, this is from. Oh my! Sorry, the ads keep shifting the. Um, the article, so it makes it difficult to read. This is from Duncan Crabtree, Ireland. Again, he's the chief negotiator for SAG-AFTRA and the national executive director. Um, After five rounds of bargaining, it has become abundantly clear that the video game companies aren't willing to meaningfully engage on the critical issues, compensation undercut by inflation, unregulated use of AI, and safety. I remain hopeful that we will be able to reach an agreement that meets members' needs, but our members are done being exploited. And if these corporations aren't willing to offer a fair deal, our next stop will be the picket lines, end quote. Um, you know, that's a much, again, I've said this over the course of, you know, the past however long, um, 
well, however long the strike's been going on, Duncan Crabtree Ireland is a much better spokesperson for the union than Fran Drescher is. She's annoying. Um, her voice is annoying. But she's also just, her rhetoric is just so inflammatory uh, that I can't think it helps the situation at all. In fact, like I've said before, she's the main reason that I, <laughs> I've i sort of been uh, maybe more critical towards sag after than I would normally be uh, because she is annoying. She sucks. <laughs> Let's see, where's the list of games, or video game companies, rather? Here we go. The 10 companies facing a possible strike are Activision Productions, ooh, sorry guys, Blind Light LLC, Disney Character Voices, Electronic Arts Productions, Epic Games, Formosa Interactive, Insomniac Games, no, they're such a good studio, they make so many good products, uh, Take-Two Productions, uh, Take-Two, I believe they're involved with, or they were involved with Borderlands, I don't know what the state of that is now, but with uh, I believe the Embracer Group is trying to shuttle off Gearbox. Um, let's see, what are the other companies? Here we go. Voice Works Productions and WB Games, Inc. Well, the Warner Brothers games doesn't exactly surprise me. Um, let's see, there was... I thought there was... Um, I was I was going to read from the article, but it looks like I can't find the, um, the statement here. Um... Oh, here we go. This is what I was looking for. Sorry, I was going to just say what I thought the general gist of it was, but I didn't think that would be reasonable. So I found the actual statement, or not statement, the actual quote from the article here. It says, The Guild and the companies will resume, resume negotiations on Tuesday, and now that strike authorization has been approved, a strike could come at any time after that. So it is worth noting that a strike has not officially started as of yet. Um, it is just, it appears, or excuse me, it's just that... Um, should they decide that a strike is necessary after this next round of negotiations, the picket lines will be marched. Um, so that's fun. means we're going to get, you know, a little bit, uh, probably some games are going to be delayed. Uh, I don't know. I can't think of any games that are necessarily coming out soon that would be delayed. Probably the Star Wars game. Actually, I don't think any of those studios are involved with that. Let's see, what were the companies again? Blizzard, uh, or excuse me, Activision. So definitely the next COD um, is probably going to get delayed if they do decide to um, to actually go on strike. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? Electronic Arts. Okay, so yeah, maybe that Star Wars game, maybe Star Wars Outlaw gets delayed. Um, let's see, what else... Oh, I need to get an ad blocker. This is ridiculous. Um, Epic Games. Oh, no, Fortnite. No. Uh, I can't think of I don't. I don't know what else, what, el what else they do, honestly. Um, Formosa Interactive. I don't know anything about them. Insomniac. There, you know, that's the Spider-Man game. But uh, I think that's that's done now. I mean, that you know, that's that's coming out in like a month, not even. I think like two two weeks. Um, let's see, we also got Take-Two Productions, uh, I don't think that that's actually the company for, for Borderlands, uh, when I tried to look it up, one of the autofill search results was Take-Two Interactive, uh, and that's, that was definitely, that's Borderlands, um, 
I don't know if Take Two Productions is like another uh, little studio within the overarching company because I know uh, Take Two Interactive has a bunch of different uh, labels that they own. Um, and let's see. And then we also have Warner Brothers games. I don't know what what I don't even know what they're putting out anymore. I've I stopped following Warner Brothers games. There was just so many, so many. Well, I guess there was really one disappointing game, Gotham Knights, that was sort of a letdown that I had a lot of high hopes for. Um, but yeah, that's really. I think that is all we've got uh, for news this week. Moving on to the weekly fixation, uh, I. I've got there's been, well okay, so there's been quite a few that have been ruminating and I haven't really known which to discuss lately, um, so I'm just gonna give a little you know what I'll I'll give a little rundown of all of them. Um, first, uh, I've been reading some Batman comics, specifically the Batman uh, the new Fifty Two run of Batman Detective Comics, written and penciled by Tony S. Daniel. Uh, the first. Uh, little trade paperback, the first volume, I believe is called Faces of Death, and that one's really interesting. Um, there's uh, some stories about, in the opening, we we look a little bit at Joker, and then after that, there's some the Dollmaker, um, which, and it's given me uh, some ideas as to some things we could see in, in Matt Reeves' Batverse. Um, some interesting takes, some interesting villains and stories and the like. Um, and then the second trade paperback volume is called Scare Tactics. That one is overall, I would say I didn't enjoy nearly as much as the first trade paperback. Um, but individually, there were certain issues in there that I thought were really, really interesting and really cool. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. I had never read anything by Tony S. Daniel before, so to come into this sort of blind um, was good, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, especially, and I was I was shocked because I sort of have an inherent bias against artists, or not artists, against, well, yeah, artists too, against um, artists and writers that I don't know. Um, I'm very hesitant to pick up a comic from an artist that I haven't, or an artist or an author that I haven't read before. Uh, maybe I've said this before. I think I said I think I said this a lot. I was talking about J. Michael Straczynski's Superman Earth One, um, but yeah, the same thing. Like if I if I don't know the artist and I don't know the um, the writer, it's very unlikely that I'm going to buy a comic, even if I like the character. Um, but I'm glad I took the risk here. The past couple times have all been very good, um, so that's obviously very exciting. Next up. I have been reading um, The Expanse by James A. Corey. I am on the first book, Leviathan Wakes. Um, if you watched our stream of Table Topplers, then you, you've heard me talk about it a little bit. Um, I'm really getting into it. I don't think it's... It's not incredible so far, um, but I am very enjoying it. It's very well written. The characters are, are interesting. Um... It's and I and I, I was talking to my dad about this and I don't think I talked I think I talked he and I were talking about this while we were setting up the stream for table topplers, um, which the vod should be up um, relatively soon. Actually, no, you can str you can watch it now. 
Yeah, you can watch the full stream now. The edited version um, and little clips will be available uh, in the coming weeks or so as I finish, as I get up, get to do the uh, the finishing touches on some of those. So stay tuned, turn on notifications. But um, where was I talking about this? Oh yes, prior to the stream, I was talking to my dad, and I, 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 I think it's. It's again. It's mostly because I've been spoiled. I think from coming off of like Game of Thrones, um, the last like sci sci-fi fantasy book I read prior to Dune was Game of Thrones, um, and I think through both of those two series, uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, and then the Dune that I I, I just recently finished Dune Messiah. Oh geez, it was probably like two three weeks ago at this point. Um, I think I've been spoiled by just the fact that you you can see you can understand more characters from those because the writing style is different from um the expanse insofar as like Game of Thrones each book has like five protagonists through that you threw that excuse me through which you view the story and then obviously in Dune he has a, a, a much different uh, writing style and it, it's sort of uh, um, omniscient I believe is the word I don't remember it's been a while since I was in language arts class but it's it's a very uh, omniscient or semi omniscient I suppose wherein one chapter you could start it out viewing it through the lens of Paul Atreides uh, and then the next paragraph you're reading you know uh, the, the mother Jessica's um, thoughts on the matter and and so on and so forth right for practically every character um, even the people who are fairly secondary like say Stilgar um, he's he's the kind of character who I wouldn't necessarily think oh I want to know what he's thinking and yet every once in a while you get a, a paragraph or two from him and it, it does give some interesting insight um and and so far Leviathan Wakes the first book in the Expanse series is only told through the viewpoint of two people um uh exo Jim executive officer Jim Miller or Jim Miller wow Jim Holden and detective uh I guess I don't know his first name Miller, Detective Miller. It's something Miller. Um, but it's just told strictly through their eyes. Um, and while I think the... It's obvious... It's very engrossing. I mean, I haven't started it that long, and I'm already almost 200 pages in. You know, it's very interesting. Um, and I, I think if I had read The Expanse before I read Dune, I would have a much different opinion. I would probably think that it was incredible. It would have enraptured me. Um like I said, I think I'm, it's just I'm a little spoiled because the last thing that I read was Dune, which is, you know, a preeminent work, not just in science fiction, but in liter literature, I would argue. Um, so I don't know. I uh, my dad has said that as the series moves forward, you will uh, we cut there. You view uh, uh, gee, many Christmas. Why is this sentence so hard? You view the world through the eyes of different characters. Um, so I'm interested to see how it shakes out. It's a very, very good story, and obviously the universe is super expansive, 
and I'm in, I'm I'm really liking it, and I'm really excited to watch the TV show once I get Prime again. Because um, I've heard good things from not just my dad, but from other people as well, and I'm really excited. They also have a Telltale game that I want to play too, because I think that would be super fun. But I got to get through like seven or eight books before I'm gonna do that again, um, or before I, I I think I'm gonna finish the series before I or finish the book series before I watch the TV series. Um, I think. Probably. We'll see what happens. We'll see how soon I get access to Prime again. <laughs> um, and then the final thing that I wanted to discuss for the weekly fixation, this is the one that, technically speaking, this is the only one that I really should be talking about this week. Um, but I wanted to discuss those other ones to sort of give you guys a couple different recommendations, um, a, a sort of wide expanse. Huh, expanse? No pun intended. I didn't even mean that. A wide range of of um, recommendations. So I gave you a comic book, a book, and now I'm giving you a video game. Um, anybody who knows me, <laughs> uh, anybody who's really listened to me talk for the past week and a half has is probably well aware of the fact that uh, I have been playing Baldur's Gate 3. Um, and I have been doing nothing <laughs> but playing Baldur's Gate 3. Any of the reading I've done has been done at work where I can't play Baldur's Gate 3. As soon as I get off work, I go home uh, and I've been playing <laughs> Baldur's Gate 3. And that's really it. Um, and I will say this is the first game in a very long time, which I feel has really... No, that's not true because Diablo is the same way. Actually, no, this this is definitely much stronger than Diablo. I think the last game that sort of overtook my whole life to this degree, insofar as, like, I, I, like, I wanted to be playing it when I was at work. I've been thinking about it all day. I've been trying to game plan and strategize and, and um, take what I've learned from strategy from playing the game and try to translate it over and like looking over my character sheets on, and this is super nerdy, looking over my character sheets on D&D Beyond, um, and now I'm looking, I'm going to start looking, moving that over a little bit towards uh, my Starfinder character so that maybe I can learn some strategy and be a little bit more effective moving forward there. Um, but I got to say, guys, if you haven't gathered yet, uh, I love this game. It's incredible. Um, I will admit, when I was going into it, I was very hesitant because I've never played a game with this style of mechanic before. It was entirely new to me. Um, I hadn't, especially the combat, uh, that was entirely new. And I don't normally like sort of turn-based strategy games all that much. You know, every once in a while I'll go through a phase where I I, I like Warcraft 3 um, or... What's another turn-based strategy game? Um, I, mean, I mean, maybe I shouldn't even count Warcraft Three because it's not not even turn-based. It's art. It's real time. Um, man, yeah, I can't think of a the last time I would have played a, stra- a, a turn-based strategy game. It might honestly be Worms. Worms probably Clan Wars <laughs> from like a whole generation ago. Um, God, I don't know when the last time I played that was. But yeah, so I normally don't like that style. And so I was really hesitant to drop the $70 on it. Um, but I will say, 
I decided to do it because everybody has been talking about it. It has uh, taken the internet by storm, um, much more so than Starfield, which was the other game that I had considered purchasing. Um, so I, I took I took the risk. I dropped the the seventy piece, and boy howdy <laughs> was it worth it when i tell you uh i've only had this game for I, I yeah about a week and a half is accurate i think i bought it um friday before last so at the time of this recording week and a half um yeah i already have like 35 hours locked <laughs> for real and i've been working i work like 10 hour days at when i when i do work at untucket so it's like it's really been a grind to get those 30 or so hours in um but it's super enjoyable and not just because the combat itself is very fun but you guys know me i'm a big story person um and I, I guess maybe even the story itself isn't even particularly incredible so far. And, and I guess that's another thing is I'm so I'm so early in the story, even though I'm 30 hours in, because while the main story itself maybe hasn't quite enraptured me so, the entire world is so expansive. Every single thing. And when I mean everything, I mean everything from uh, um, from just you know being able to run around and find a million books, which is my one complaint in Diablo Four, finding a million books um, to, to to you can even talk to the animals if you have. Uh, so the speak speak with animal spell, or if you have a potion of animal speaking, which I always keep that thing strapped on me, um, you can talk to animals. And animals actually do have things to say. A lot of them do anyway. Some of them are just there for laughs. You know, there are some who will just say an interesting little thing. But quite a few animals can actually give you uh, insight. They can help you understand certain characters uh they can give you clues and tips moving forward um um l let's see what what's a good example of this um jeez uh i yeah i guess i i guess i can't think of 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 a, of a particular example but that's a tip for you guys <laughs> always keep if you don't have the spell speak with animals always keep um, a potion of animal speaking with you because you never know when you're going to find an animal that can give you a hint uh, as to like a secret room or a secret piece of treasure or they can tell you that this person likes this thing or something or other you know you, you never know and that's the thing it's so good because it's so easy to spend so much time and do nothing and, and do really nothing. And I, I don't mean literally nothing, but like nothing in the grand scheme of things. Like when I say I have 40 hours logged, I don't know how much of that is actual story gameplay, but not a lot. <laughs> not a lot. Because there's so many side quests. It's like every person you talk to has the potential for a side quest. And, and they're all fun. They're not... 
I'm going to throw a little bit of shade at WoW here. Um, it's not like, you know, go kill 15 bears. Uh, you know, it's not go kill 10 boars and five sneaking tigers. Go get 30 locks of animal fur. No, it's like go save this guy. And when you go there, well, like, for example, there was a um, – there's a side quest where you save refugee. I'm not going to really explain what's going on here because it's fairly early on. Um, it's It could be... Some people could consider it a spoiler, though I don't think it necessarily has an impact on the large story. Um, there is a group of refugees who are getting thrown out of, uh, a, of a secluded area. Um, and... For real, this one quest, it was titled Save the Refugees. This quest alone probably took me, of the of the 30 hours I've played, probably like a solid 12, this one side quest. Because there are so many different avenues, there's so many different things. And granted, you know, look, I'm I play games differently from a lot of people. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna not everybody is gonna want to spend 12 hours on this side quest. There are people who are just going to want to take the route where you go talk to the refugees and say, get out. There there there's so many options with this with this quest. And and this applies to like practically every quest, but there are so many options. There are so many exit ramps. There are probably five or six different exit ramps in this one quest alone. But I'm the kind of person where I was like, I don't want to make, especially in a game like this, where I know everything affects everything else or everything can change the way that you, uh, every conversation, everything you say, every place you explore, every lead you investigate can affect the way that the story is going to turn out and the things that you can actually say to people. Um, and so I think that's the easily one of the biggest draws of this game is that you can play, in, 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 a, in a true sense, you can play any game style you want. You can play like me, where I I make sure I try to be really anal about going and investigating every possible lead, so I have the fullest picture cape or if the fullest picture possible before I'll end the quest, so that I can feel like I'm making an informed decision. Or you can not do. You can choose to not help them. It's a side quest. You can just choose to be like, ah, your business, dog, and leave. You can choose to help the refugees, and, and so you can attack the, the person who's trying to force them out. You can help the person who's trying to force them out and help push the refugees away. And even in so doing, by pushing the refugees away, there's more options there. You can choose to go with them and help them. Or you can choose to be like, look, I'm just here to make sure you get out of town. Now hit the bricks. There are so many different... It's it's incredible. And I, you can run in guns blazing and just kill everybody. You can try and sneak your way in. You can try and... Uh, I was listening to this one before I bought the game. This is one of the deciding factors actually that made me buy the game is there was this one guy who was talking about how in every single interaction, his character was charisma-based. So all he did was just talk his way out of every conflict, which you can do. If you are... If there's a person, 
uh, if, if a dialogue pops up that leads to you attacking them, uh, excuse me, let me, let me rephrase this. If there is a person whom you think is hostile towards you, whom you think you're going to have to fight, like say it's, it's maybe even the quest objective to kill this person, if you, you can a thousand percent talk to them and almost in every single instance, you can talk your way out of it and be like, no, I don't want to fight. I just, you know, I, I, you know, just being persuasive or whatever, or in intimidation, or, uh, in certain cases you can use, um, uh, a magical power that's bestowed upon you via the story, uh, which I'm not going to actually, I think this is in the trailer. So the, the, the there's like a big, nah, see, I'm, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it because I'm going to explain it. And it's the only way for me to explain it and not sound crazy is to go on this whole 30 minute diatribe, um, which I'm not opposed to, but I think you guys might not enjoy so much. So the point of what I'm saying, <laughs> Baldur's Gate three game of the year by far, by far. I don't, and this is crazy for me to say, um, I don't care how good Spider-Man 2 is. <laughs> I don't care how good Spider-Man 2 is. There's no way it beats Baldur's Gate 3 for game of the year. It's literally impossible. And I'm, I know with like, well, I don't know. I don't know because they could screw it up. But I'm highly confident that Spider-Man 2 is going to be released and it's going to be one of the best games uh Maybe that's a little strong, but it's going to be one of the games that I enjoy most. It's going to be one of the games that I have the most fun playing. You know I'm going to 100% it. You know I'm going to play through it like six different times. You know, because it's I can I already can tell based off of what we've seen and the record that they have with the other two Spider-Man games, it's going to be a good story. It's going to be fun to play. The mechanics are going to be smooth. And there's going to be a lot of extra stuff. All that being said, there is a point zero 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 one percent chance that I like Spider-Man 2 more than I like Baldur's Gate 3. You know, I just, it's not even going to be close, I don't think. Frankly, I can't imagine a scenario just because the gameplay style or not the gameplay style, but the I mean they're they're very different games. <laughs> and it's maybe it's it's not fair to compare the two because of that. I mean everything about them is different, but uh, you know what, let's make a better comparison. Let's make a better comparison than Spider-Man 2. Diablo 4 or Baldur's Gate 3? Easily Baldur's Gate 3. Easily Baldur's Gate 3. And I, you guys know I love Diablo 4. <laughs> as far as story goes, Diablo 4 takes the cake. Granted, I'm not even at the end of Act 1 for Baldur's Gate 3. But so far, the story itself... It's a little crazy, um, and maybe I would feel differently if I'd played the first two Baldur's Gate games, but I haven't. I've only played the third one, um, so maybe maybe there's some themes or some um, 
instances that are similar between the two games that would maybe like make me like it a little bit more. But as it currently stands, where I'm at in the game now, I mean, Diablo 4 easily takes the cake story-wise, but gameplay-wise, as a game, the game as a whole, Baldur's Gate 3 takes the cake. And that really does sort of, it does hurt me a little bit to say that just because I love Diablo so much. But, uh, I, you know, I, I don't make the rules, gang. You know, even in my own heart. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, look, frankly, I'm not going to lie. Um, there are a lot of people who aren't going to like the actual combat style or the gameplay of Baldur's Gate 3. And I respect that. I really do. Um, I would highly recommend anybody who has ever played a video game in their life, <laughs> anybody who ever has ever enjoyed a video game, just look up some Baldur's Gate 3 gameplay um, and see if the, the, the combat style and the gameplay mechanics are something that you would enjoy. Um, even if, you know, I, I, I'm not saying you should buy it uh, because, look, the, it doesn't matter how good a story is. Um, if the gameplay mechanics aren't fun, it's, it's a waste of money, right? I, I think the game is definitely worth the money. Um, and so I think anybody who is looking for a new game to play uh, for an expanse an expansive world where you can really do what you want. Um, I, I, I would give it a look. I would give it a look. If you're looking for a new game, definitely check out some, some combat. Um, and I, maybe I would just recommend, I would recommend only the combat. Um, just because if you do end up buying it, maybe you shouldn't get the story spoiled. Um, but the combat itself, that's really the only part that I was nervous about. And I think that's how a lot of people feel because just roaming in the world itself is, it's not that much different from any other game, you know? And then all the, obviously all the, like all the things after that are fairly standard. Um, but yeah, so I would recommend, uh, I highly recommend this game. I think it's worth the money and I don't think you would regret it. But that being said, go look up some gameplay first. <laughs> um, and if I will definitely be streaming um, my own gameplay at some point. Uh, I, I wanted to play this far by myself without putting it on the internet because I didn't want to embarrass myself by not having a, a grasp of the mechanics. Um, but now that I feel very comfortable in the game setting and everything, I'm going to make a new character and I will be streaming some solo gameplay at some points. Um, so tune into that. Make sure you turn on notifications for all of our socials so you don't miss a thing. Um, and if you can't, you know, tune in to, to, to twitch.tv slash new wave nerds whenever we do end up streaming. VODs will be uploaded to YouTube. Uh, to YouTube. <laughs> yeah, so... Yes, I, I think it'll be fun. Um, I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, that, like I said, I think the the true draw of the game is the fact that it's so expansive and that you can do whatever you want. Oh man, I didn't even I didn't even finish my anecdote about that guy. 
<laughs> the guy that I so yeah, there was this one guy um, prior to my purchasing it. This was one of the things that made me feel like I, I it was worth it. Is he was discussing how through every single interaction, you know, he would just talk his way out. So when he got to a point in the story where there's no way out of the conflict because it's, you know, it's a major story mission, he was so underleveled that he died instantly <laughs> because you're able to talk yourself out of every other situation. Now, I will say, if I had done that, that would irritate the bejesus out of me. Um, because I think if you have the option throughout the whole rest of the game to talk yourself through it, you should be able to talk your way through any of the major story missions too, you know, because that's, that's sort of the RP of your character at that point, right? Is that this isn't somebody who, this is a lover, not a fighter. You know, this is somebody who wants to talk through things and that would show through even in the story missions. So maybe if I, I, if I had done that, I would be super angry and maybe I wouldn't feel so quite so positively about it as I do now. Um, but, you know, sucks to be that guy, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, um, I've definitely rambled on for long enough in general. Um, not even, not just about Baldur's Gate 3, but just the whole episode. A little bit longer than we normally do, but uh, enjoy. Um, that's going to wrap us up for this week. And, uh, yeah, tune in, um, to any of our streams. We're starting to try and make the tabletop gaming more regular. Um, but yeah, so make sure that you turn on, uh, the, probably the notifications on Instagram is the safest way to ensure that you don't miss a thing whenever we upload or whenever we announce new things. Um, also, if you don't mind... Please, uh, if you enjoy the work that we do here, if you liked this episode or other episodes that we've done in the past, please share with somebody that you think might enjoy it as well. Uh, word of mouth is truly the most effective way that podcasts can grow, and we appreciate you all so much. With that, we're leaving it here. Uh, we will catch you guys next week. <laughs>